This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. Well, look, today is a joy-filled day. It is a hope-filled day. It's an exciting day. It's a day where we should want to beam, come out of our skins uh, and celebrate exuberantly. But I do want to actually start us in this place of actually recognizing um, that that's not how Easter Sunday morning started for the women. We're going to be in Luke chapter 24 today. And we've got to recognize that on Easter Sunday, the women wake uh, and their life is still shrouded in despair. They're still living in the shadow of Good Friday. This is going to be a competition today. But I'll, <laughs> I don't like my chances, but I know you're barracking for me. <laughs> they wake in the shadow of Good Friday. They're fresh from living the nightmare that was Good Friday. Humanity at our absolute worst. Abandoning, betraying, denying, manipulating, condemning the innocent for political expediency, violent, humiliating, mocking and cruel. And ultimately all of our collective darkness and brokenness is placed on Jesus, crushing him. So on Friday, one of the last things the women that we're about to read do in the story before they enter their their sacred Sabbath rest is they go and they lay the hope of the world in a borrowed tomb. And so I want you to put yourselves in the shoes of the women for a moment this morning as they wake up on Easter Sunday. And I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you wake up and all of the memories and all of the feelings come flooding back into focus. These are women that have fractured dreams and shattered hopes. Luke 24, on the first day of the week, what we would call Sunday, very early in the morning, we read from John's Gospel that it was still dark. The women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. This collection of women, they go to the tomb with heavy hearts, full of grief, stealing themselves for the necessary yet really confronting action of embalming Jesus' body for his final resting place. But, but their fractured dreams and their shattered hopes are about to be turned upside down by the reality of the resurrection. Their fractured dreams and their shattered hopes are about to be turned upside down by the reality of the resurrection. I don't know if you've ever had that sort of experience where you've gone to something expecting the absolute worst only to be surprised by the the reality that it's so much better than you could have imagined or hoped for. I, I hope that's your experience, not the other way around. Um, back in another life, uh, I was um, working in a, in, I was an assistant store manager uh, as a Baptist pastor. I need to be careful how I describe this. Uh, at an establishment that sold refreshing uh, beverages for adults to take home and enjoy in the comfort of their home. <laughs> you can read between the lines. <laughs> um, I, I'd managed a Subway store um, before this, so I kind of went in at an assistant um, manager level, you know, fully salaried and, and full-time and all that kind of stuff. And the manager of this wonderful establishment I had been there for decades and decades and decades. 
He'd seen it all, and he'd been through, from all reports, a couple of real doozies of assistant store managers. Um, the lady I came in after, in particular, sounded like she did the absolute bare minimum, if that, uh, and ended up getting fired because she was stealing money. So yeah, the bar was set pretty low. And so I remember in my first week um, in the store with this manager, and we're heading towards the end of the week. And at the end of the week, uh, obviously the specials change over. And so it's the job of somebody, somebody on team, to pack away all of that week's stock and get out all the next week's stock uh, to showcase your specials. So you walk into a, a store and there are cases of uh, that lovely adult soft drink uh, on, on the floor uh, and there's bottles of, you know, whatever, flavoured water uh, on, on there. Um, and you've got to remove all of those, Lit quite literally hundreds of kilos worth of stocks. And I remember my first week, I'm on clothes, my manager's not going to be there, and he says, look, I'm going to be in first thing on Monday morning, we've got to do this changeover, look, I'm going home now, but if you get any chance on Sunday afternoon, could you at least pack some of it away? Could you at least pack some of it away? Like his expectations and his experience had been so low of an assistant manager that he just... He almost had no expectations, and with this kind of faint hope, this hopeful longing, he just says, if you could, that would be really great. So I'm a pretty hard worker, if you don't know me, and I, you know, I wanted to bless this man, I wanted to make an impression, and I thought, you know what, I have got this. Not only can I pack all this away, I reckon, it's a pretty quiet store, but I reckon I can set up everything he needs for the next week. So Sunday afternoon comes, it hits mid-afternoon where I can start doing this changeover, and I go, go to work. It's like you're getting paid to go to the gym when you work in one of these stores. It's great. So all the cases away, all the bottles away, what's next week's specials, bring them all out, stacks as high as your shoulder, all that kind of stuff. And I go home, man, what a good job, what a good job I've done for this guy. So this manager comes in the next morning, and he walks in, and he sees these piles of cases, and he sees that there's all the bottles still on the shelves, and his heart sinks, and he thinks, this guy hasn't done anything. He hasn't lifted a finger. He hasn't put a single thing away. And so he starts putting all of last week's specials <laughs> away. Now, I don't know how far through the process he got, because I had left him a note by the cash register, <laughs> but at some point he looked at this week's specials and just went, oh, I've just put all of those away. And so when I came in in the lunch to relieve him to do the back half of the shift, he's like, thank you, thank you so much. Like his expectations were so low, but the truth of the reality was that he now had, uh, if I dare say so myself, a good assistant store manager. And his life, or at least his work life, was forever changed. Well, at least for a few months until I bailed and went and did something else. You know, the women go to the tomb with heavy hearts, with low expectation, the same way my manager walked into the store on Monday morning, fully expecting to prepare the dead body of Jesus. But they are about to wake up to the reality of the resurrection. About to wake up to the reality of the resurrection. And I love the humanness of this story and the way that all gospel writers retell it. It really does feel like there is this unfolding revelation, uh, this sort of gradual dawning of realization as to what has happened, the reality of the situation, and it's so far beyond what they could have dared, hope, dream, or imagine. Verse 2, we read, that they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, confused about this, 
Uh, John's Gospel has it that Mary was incredibly concerned about this. What have they done with his body? Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. He is not here, he has risen. It's the declaration, it's the announcement that changes everything. Uh, It's the truth that needs to be proclaimed to every person, in every nation, in every generation. Jesus, the Son of God, is not dead, he is not here, he is alive, he is risen. The impact and the meaning of those three little words is not to be underestimated. He is risen. They mean that the grave of Good Friday is not a defeat, nor is it the end. In rising from the grave, Jesus is shown to be completely vindicated and proven with power to be the true and authentic Son of God. Every word he uttered is shown to be true. Every promise he made is sure. Every invitation to trust him as the resurrection and life and to experience that in him is true. He has defeated death. He has conquered his opponents. This is more than just an empty tomb. This is definitive proof that sin, death, and the devil are all rendered powerless by Jesus and his great love for us. And this, my friends, is good news. This is why we gather together to celebrate. This is why we place our faith and our hope and our trust in this Jesus. Not just because he died, but because he rose again. And at any point in that rant, you're welcome to yell out, hallelujah, amen, preach it, brother. And the women, they're waking up to this. They're waking up to the reality of what is true. The truth that God has won. That Jesus is not a victim, but this is part of the purposeful plan of God to bring salvation to the ends of the very earth. The two men who's, who are gleaming like lightning, which must have been incredibly hard to even um, see, they remind them, he is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sin and be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And Luke, who's an ancient historian, he records in verse 8, then they remembered his words. The penny dropped. The light bulb came on. Their eyes opened. They were awoken to the truth that Jesus is alive. It is like that moment. I don't know know if you sometimes do this where you wake up and you're a little bit disoriented uh, and confused. Maybe this doesn't happen to you. I've got two young kids. It happens to me a lot. Uh, And sometimes it takes a little while for you to realize, hang on, where am I? Who am I? What day is it? What have I got to do today? And everything kind of comes into clear focus and you know exactly who you are, where you are, what today is and what you've got to do today, right? The women have one of these moments. Everything brought into sharp focus, proper understanding. Jesus said this. He foretold this. He preached this. And he's done what he has said he will do. He's alive. He has risen. See, these women, they may have started the day as grief-stricken mourners, but they wake to the reality of the resurrection and they end the day as hope-filled proclaimers of truth. 
You know, for 2,000 years, these have been the first people who testify to the resurrection of Jesus. The first to wake up, if you like, and see things as they truly are. The risen, reigning, conquering king, Jesus, has won. You know, and as someone who gets to be involved in, in ministry, there's nothing better than actually watching this penny drop moment for people. This light bulb come on moment for people. This moment for people where it's like they do wake up and they see and they understand and it's clear and it moves them. I think one of my favorite moments uh, of, of seeing this, and you could literally see it across the room, was at, um, at a youth camp uh, a couple of years ago. I was, I was, invited, I was invited to speak, which is always, always nice. I'm probably too old and too bald and uh, too many kids now to get invited to such things. But um, it was great back then. Um, and so I was preaching Jesus all weekend, as, as you'd imagine. And, and on the Saturday night, they had a bunch of stations set up around the room uh, that I hadn't organized, so I'm not taking any credit for this. And one of those stations is one of my favorite stations to do is a handing over of guilt and shame and sin to Jesus' station. And there was this massive bucket of water and these little rocks, little black rocks next to it. And I watched this, he must have been about year eight boy, wander over and, and read the instructions, read all the verses that talk about the way that Jesus has washed him clean, that Jesus has removed his guilt as far as the east is from the west. You know, 1 John 1, either anyone who confesses their sins and turns to God will have it washed away. And I see him pick up this little rock from across the room. It wasn't my youth group, so I, wasn't had, I was just literally an observer. And you could almost see him just go, I know that this represents that sin that I've done in the past. I just, I can't shake the shame of or that sense of condemnation from. Or, or maybe it was a, a current temptation or a current battle he was facing uh, in his own spiritual life. I see him watch as he has this rock in his hands, shoulders downcast, face drooping. He felt the weight of whatever it was that he was carrying. And I just saw him pop it over and do exactly what the interactive station said to do, to release it over to God, to wash it, uh, to watch it float down out of sight and out of the way. And you can see from across the room, as far as I am from Chris, um, this guy just, his demeanor changed. Like the shoulders went up, there was a lightness, there was this relief, there was this profound sense of gratitude. You could read from his body language. So I can only imagine what was happening in that personal relationship with God in that moment. He was awoken to the truth and the reality that Jesus had won, that Jesus had forgiven him, that Jesus was calling him to be a son and a daughter, or a son of the Most High God. That everything, that shame, that guilt was washed away. Jesus has done it. It is finished. He won. And we can trust in him. You know, when you are fully awake to the presence and the power of the risen Jesus, it changes everything. It changes how we see God. It changes how we approach God. It changes how we see ourselves. Fully awake to the presence and the power of the risen Jesus is the way that we are called to live. And it changes the first believers. So, so Mary, after this, recorded in another gospel, she'll be hanging out in the garden and she'll meet Jesus face to face, his beautiful encounter where she'll see him and she'll worship him. Uh, for Peter, he'll encounter Jesus on the shores of Galilee, um, being restored after his denial and being placed in this position of leadership and authority in the early church. Uh, for Thomas, it'll be interacting with the physical scars that Jesus carries on his body and doubts vanish as he just proclaims my Lord and my God and enters this lifetime of, of worship. 
All of these people and the 500 plus people who saw Jesus over a period of six weeks after Easter Sunday, all of them, their lives will be changed and they'll spend the rest of their days proclaiming the truth that Jesus is risen. Many of them to their dying breath as they're actually put to death for proclaiming it. Fully awake to the presence and the power of the risen Jesus, it changes us and changes our lives. You know, I've definitely, and I'm definitely meeting some people who are living that uh, here. But I'm, <clears throat> before coming here, I was a part of a church for, for nine years. So I really got to know people and really got to see this. And there's something phenomenally powerful about watching people who are fully awake to the power and the presence of the risen Jesus in their life. Uh, we saw people repenting of sin, finding freedom from addictions, um, the kind of people you just you'd preach to and you could see their faces absolutely light up and it's like they were, there was light shining out of their face every time you talked about Jesus. Where we'd sing these songs about Jesus and people would weep because it was so meaningful and moving to them to sing of what God in Christ had done for them. Seeing people whose whole lives effort now was about sharing that good news with others and who would pray and who would intercede for the people of peace in their life and they would take risks and they'd ask questions and they'd go after the lost and they'd want to read the Bible and come alongside them. And we saw people come to faith and come alive in their faith uh, in that. We saw young people giving their lives to a life of vocational ministry and a whole bunch more. But, of course, not everybody lived in that place of being fully awake, fully aware of, living in light of the presence and the power of the risen Jesus. As much as there were people whose face lit up every time you talked about what Jesus has done, there were those who knew it and could recite it and who would sing the songs with you and would have made great poker players. There were people who came to church and came to Bible studies because that was a good thing to do and yet any sense of power or victory in their own personal life and spirituality was just not even on the radar. You know, as a pastoral team, we called these people the sleepers. Those who are half awake to the reality and the truth of the gospel. Those who knew and who understood and who believed that Jesus died for them and that they would have an eternity in heaven with him. But in between, it was like Jesus died back then and we'll meet him when. And I get it. I have a real heart for the sleepers in our churches all around Australia and, in fact, all around the world. For I've been one. And I'm sure in this room you've been at times as well. And they're just acting according to their expectations. That's the reality. They're just acting according to what they expect to see, like that low uh, expectation that my manager had when he walked into the door and seeing what they think they're going to see and uh, not actually understanding what is the true reality. I mean, you think about it. If you expect that a movie is incredibly terrible and there's no way you'll enjoy it, what are you most likely to do? Not Go and watch it. What are you going to do if you expect and you believe that that girl that you really like, there's no way she could possibly interested, be interested in a boy like you, what are you most likely to do? 
never ask her out. What are you likely to do if your expectations and your belief of our Easter egg hunt is that there's no Easter eggs out there in the hunt? <laughs> well, you might stay in here a little bit longer. <laughs> you might bypass the hunt and go for the hot cross buns. Well, they're good too. <laughs> you get it? Fully awake to the presence and the power of risen Jesus changes things and it changes us. It changes how we see him, how we experience him, and how we seek him out in our lives. And yet my fear is that some of us just have our expectations that are too low of what Easter Sunday means for us in our daily walk with Jesus today. You know, we look at our sin and we think, well, I guess that defines me. We feel the weight of our guilt and shame over past actions and we think, I'm just going to have to live with that, I guess. We look at our addictions, those temptations that seem to have so much pull in our lives, and we think, well, I could never be free of those things. Maybe we start looking at things that are outside of God's will for us, and we think, oh, you know what, I am actually going to need that if I want to be happy. We look at the lack of power and victory in our lives, and we think, oh, well, I guess this is just the way it is until I see Jesus in heaven. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Uh, Jesus comes to the women as he comes to the disciples, as he comes to the 500, as he comes to you and I today. Alive, risen, reigning, victorious. Ready, willing, wanting to be our sin-conquering, life-giving, victorious, risen, risen saviour. And so wherever sin has entangled you, throw it off and run to him, because in him is the victory. Wherever shame and guilt has kind of crept in and started staining your experience of life and your relationship with God, you take that to him and you allow him to wash you white as snow. Wherever it is that sense that we're doing things in our own strength and we need to try harder, work harder, be better, understand that Jesus died for you. And he rose to newness of life so that we would place our faith and trust in him. So that we would depend on him, lean on him and receive that ministry of freedom and forgiveness and power and restoration and healing that is found in his name. He is risen, my friends. Ruling, reigning, victorious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The one who gave himself up that we would be made right and be restored and experience the fullness of life that is found in his name. Are you awake to this? My heart and my hope and my prayer for you today, in fact, all the days of your life, is that you don't sleepwalk through life as a believer. That you would be fully aware of, understanding, embracing, awake to the reality of a risen saviour who is with you every day and every step of the way. He is risen. So let our souls cry out, he is risen indeed. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.